Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Gerald Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast. It means so much to me that you will take a few moments to develop your leadership skills Maybe invite some of your friends to sit down with you and dialogue about leadership. But thank you so much for going the extra mile to really be the kind of person that we're supposed to be, to be impactful and influential. Hey, before I jump into the leadership lesson today, what I want to do is I want to talk to you about my new book, Keys to Effective Living. In that book, there are 10 major principles, all taken from Colossians chapter 1, and I dig into each one of the principles deep. Honestly, if you're a pastor or a small group leader, you could take this book and it would be a 10-week sermon, or it would be a 10-week development for a small group. But one of them is, is that we are to live a life filled with hope. One of the things we know in leadership is that one of the oldest quotes is that leaders are dealers in hope. That's what people want. They want hope. But the thing is, we use the word hope, but most people have no concept of what it is. In this particular lesson on living with hope, I go through the five things that hope is and how hope affects us. Five things that we're told biblically about hope and how hope affects us. If you don't have this book, I encourage you to go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. You can get that. And when you get that, it will create an environment for you to be able to uh, have uh, hope in your life and to teach hope, communicate hope, begin to work with hope. And so I want to encourage you. And then if you really want a great, great opportunity, uh, you can get that book, plus two others, plus my new flash drive that has over 50 sermons on it, and you can get that for $50. And if you're interested in either one of those, go and you can grab that. Hey, today I want to talk to you about leading with attitude. Leading with attitude. You know that phrase in our society? Well, you've got an attitude. Here's the simple truth every leader leads with attitude. See, we lead with our attitude before we lead with our actions. People feel our attitude before they ever hear our words. And so leading with an attitude is key to profound leadership. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, very, very famous verse, it says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind, we know that that word mind is the word attitude, and it says, let this attitude be in you. Now, those of you that know a little bit about the Greek, you recognize that in the Greek, this is a present imperative. And what that means is it's a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not an idea. It's not, hey, why don't we just try this? It is a command. You've got to see that you have this attitude. It is a command. Now, why does Paul make it a command? Because your attitude is your choice. 
No one else chooses your attitude. Your attitude isn't a choice of circumstances. It isn't a choice of the challenges you're going through. It isn't the choice of people that surround you. It is your choice. And because it's your choice, at present imperative, it is command, see to it that this attitude be in you. Victor Frankl, and if you haven't ever read his classic book, we gave it out at our uh, leadership conference this year. That book, when you go to the, uh, you know, the Library of Congress, it is listed as one of the top 10 books of all time, of all time. Think of all the books that have been written and to be in the top 10 books of all time. It is a must read. But Viktor Frankl said this, the last of all human freedoms is the ability to choose your attitude under any circumstance. The last of all human freedoms, people can take away everything from you. They can take your house, your car, your job. They can take away your freedom. But the last of all human liberties is the ability to choose your attitude under all circumstances. So how do we address our attitude issues? How do we begin to sort of transition this and begin to apply this in our life? How do we do that? Well, a couple of things that are just pretty sort of 101 when it comes to attitude is simply this. Live in his presence. Your attitude becomes a better attitude when you are close to him. In fact, in Psalm 16 and verse 11, it says this, and you will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Now, what is it saying? It's saying that his presence creates an attitude in you that you may not possess without being in his presence presence. In your presence is fullness of joy. Now, you can take that word joy and and you can turn it into any attribute because what he's saying is, even though he highlights joy, his presence makes our attitude better. And when you are in his presence, your attitude is better. But here's the problem. We tend to think of God's presence in terms of alone time, extended periods of time where we just have this unending, unfettered kind of time where we are just relating to him and we're thinking, man, that's just not in my schedule. That's just not what I do. I don't have 45 minutes uh, in this particular lifestyle that I can just be in his presence. And so many times the very things that we think are impractical for most people. And so what we think is, well, I can't do that. Being in his presence, being in his presence. But here's the deal. That's not what is required. We're not talking about somehow you've got to walk into an office and you've got to be in total silence and seclusion and you have to have this bandwidth of time and you get to be in there. And because you're in there, you're in a position that you get to be in his presence. See, 
being in his presence is this. Live where you can hear him. Just live where you can hear him. Now, I've used this illustration just hundreds of times. Growing up, I grew up in an environment on military basis because my dad was career military that on the military bases, every home was basically the same. But the military didn't want to have backyards that were fenced off. And so what they did was they were not allowed. And so our backyard backed up to someone else's backyard that backed up to someone else's. So if you went in our backyard, you'd see this infamous area of distance where there were no fences. It was just green area. Now, what would happen is every day after school, a bunch of us would go out and would play football, would play baseball, would play basketball, would play other games. Now, in playing those things, here is the thing. We would be in an environment where we would be playing. But when I would come home, my mom would say this to me. I need you to stay where you can hear me. As a five-year-old kid, I knew that was three houses. Three houses was how far I can go. When we talk about living in God's presence, you never get distant from the throne room. So you never get distant from the throne room. You're always in proximity to it. You always live your life in such a way that when God whispers, you can hear. That's his presence. If you want to be out of his presence, have God have to yell at you. See, I knew if my mom had to yell at me, I had gone too far. But if she just could say, Gerald, it's time, and I could hear that, I was right where I was supposed to be. So live in his presence. Secondly, wrap your life in prayer. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Wrap your life in prayer. See, here's what prayer is. Prayer is an investment in the miracle that you don't know that you're going to need. So when you pray on your good days, you're preparing yourself for your bad days. See, prayer keeps you calm when everyone else is stressed out. That's what Philippians 4, 6 is talking about. It's not talking about being in a room with a candle and incense and and just having this quiet uh, music going on around you. It's saying that when you have a profound prayer life, what happens is it keeps you calm when everyone else is stressed out. So when it comes to attitude, we live in his presence, we wrap ourselves in prayer, and we always have a song to sing. The Bible places a power on song. It says in Isaiah 40, sing, O ye barren. We know in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, it talks about to Jehoshaphat, you're going to send forth the praise team and you're going to sing. We know in Acts chapter 16, when Paul and Silas were in prison, they were singing. In everyone's life, there's background noise. You can't walk into a store that there's not music going on. What is the music in your life? What is the background music? See, God's presence is activated when we live close to him. 
God's presence is activated when we pray and we talk to him. And God's presence is activated when we're singing about him. So those are just three things, sort of attitude 101. And anyone can implement those. You don't have to be highly educated. You don't have to be proficient in a whole lot. You just live in his presence. You spend time in prayer and you keep singing. Those three things. But there's another thing. Paul, when he was writing about this, he wanted to give us some advanced attitude training. Some advanced attitude training. So what happens in Philippians chapter 2 is he goes on after he says, see to it, command that this attitude be in you. And what he does is he gives us advanced attitude training. Now, here's what it looks like. The advanced attitude, he says, about Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He says, if you're going to have a profound attitude, your attitude will have built into it a heart of sacrifice. The willingness to do what you do not have to do when you do not want to do it. That's what sacrifice is. The willingness to do things that you know you're supposed to do, but you don't want to do them. And when you do not want to do them, that's called sacrifice. If you want to do it, it's not a sacrifice. If you're willing to do it, it's not a sacrifice. In every attitude of leadership, there is an element of sacrifice. Remember what I've said for years? When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. An element of sacrifice. You do things that are profound. And so what Paul says is that an attitude that is really a high leadership attitude has weaved into it the idea of sacrifice. I'm willing to do things I don't want to do even when I don't want to do them. So, sacrifice. And then he says in verse 7, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant. The second characteristic of this advanced attitude is sacrifice one, but service second. Helping others who may never help you. See, he says he became a servant. Let me tell you something. When you ask kids what they want to be when they grow up, they may say fireman, policeman, astronaut. They may say doctor, teacher, lawyer. Nobody says servant except God, except Jesus. Because what he says is, is that a godly attitude involves moments of sacrifice, your willingness to do what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it. And then there's service, your willingness to help others who may never help you. And we've talked about it before. Our society believes in the power of networking. I was just at an event where they said, we're going to give you extended times of networking. But here's what that's all about. Find people who can help you. That's not serving. Serving is find people you can help. So a great attitude sacrifice, service. And then it says being found in the appearance as a man. 
seriousness, doing whatever it takes to resolve an issue. There are a lot of ways people thought the Messiah would come, but most never considered that he would come as a child. Most never considered that he would take upon himself the humanity of mankind. But to bring redemption, he had to be willing to sacrifice. He had to be a person of service, but he had to be serious. Because you can say that first too, but ultimately it's going to come down to, will you do it? Doing what it takes to resolve an issue. Doing what it takes to resolve an issue. So, sacrifice, service, seriousness, and then he says he humbled himself. Surrender. Humility breaks the cycle of selfishness. See, when you humble yourself, you're saying it's more about God than you. It's more about others than you. You surrender. So he humbled himself. See, humility is the willingness to let God keep score, knowing that if you keep score, you can never win. Humility is just the willingness to let God keep the score. Because when we keep the score, there's always someone who's going to have a better score. If you do what I do, there's always going to be someone who has a bigger church. There's always going to be somebody who's doing more dramatic things in the name of church. So if you keep score, you lose. But humility is saying, God's going to keep the score. I'm not going to do it because I'm going to surrender. What is it that I need to do to confront attitudes of selfishness? So get it. Sacrifice, service, seriousness, and surrender. And then it says in verse 8, being obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Following God, regardless of the challenges it creates. Submission. Submission, following God regardless of the challenges it creates. When we talk about having an attitude, it's always going to involve submission. Your will, not my will. The old prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but your will be done. See, attitude is advanced leadership. See, attitude isn't about having the title. It's about having the heart. Attitude isn't about having the money. It's about having God. So when Paul described advanced attitude, he says it's moments of sacrifice, times of service, it's being serious, it's choosing to surrender, and it's active submission. That's what attitude is. So the question we began with, can you lead with attitude?
can you lead with attitude? Now, everyone has attitude. They just may not have a godly attitude. Everyone possesses attitude. It just may not be the attitude we're supposed to possess. And the thing about this kind of attitude is it takes time. It takes thought. It takes intention. It takes energy. It takes effort. And that this attitude, this attitude is the kind of attitude that each one of us need if we're going to serve well. So, how are you doing? Are you leading with attitude? And maybe the question is, are you leading with a godly attitude? Can you walk into the room and when you walk out, people aren't thinking about you. They're thinking about him. That's leading with attitude. When you walk into the room, they see you. But when you walk out, they know that they've been close to him. That's attitude. Thank you so much for joining me today. Again, I just want to encourage you. We have a lot of resources at GeraldBrooksMinistries.com. I do want to remind you that there's a lesson I did at the North Texas Leadership Conference. It's really one of those lessons that's gone viral, and that is the dangers of the platform. Series of thoughts that most people aren't taught when they step on a platform. It's the reason most people don't stay on the platform. It's because they weren't taught how. They weren't taught the dangers. Now, we have it in two forms. You can get the audio or you can get the video. Both of those are available. Thank you so much again for joining me. Thank you for being a part of the Leadership Podcast. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.